with VI Playlist. Uh, I'm here with my co-host Adam and Ryan Camuto, right? Yes, you got it. You got it. <laughs> nice. Ten, ten out of ten. Uh, he is the vocalist for Royal Hearts. How are you doing today, man? Oh, I'm doing great. I just came back from a five-day Disney trip. I'm, I'm living life right now. Oh, man. Disney. Oh, never dude. Dis- in Florida, correct? Yes, yes. I'm going to derail I, I, this entire interview. Let's talk. No, Let's no. We can, both, we, can, we can both do that. I, I went there also for like a week. And, you know, I'm like 31. So I I'm was like, how much, how, how much fun could I possibly have? And, and the, the answer, answer is, is all of all of all fun. of it. Yes. All of the oh, fun. Oh, my gosh. I got a picture with uh, Donald Duck. Yes. Oh, dude. It was so yes. sick. Yeah, I'm probably like the only one that hasn't been to Disney. My wife's been to Disney. She hasn't taken you yet? Not yet, man. Not yet. Ooh, ooh, yeah. that's uh, the red flag emojis. <laughs> well, you know. You don't live in Florida, though, do you? You live no, no, central no. time, right? So you live somewhere in the middle of the country. Yeah, me and Adam are from uh, East Texas. Adam right now is in Dallas, and I okay. am in bumfuck nowhere, Texas. So well, a big old ho- well, a big old howdy to both of you. Yeah, howdy to you, too, man. <laughs> howdy to you. Uh, didn't you all just play? uh dallas recently or no we've actually no. never been out of oh okay uh, oh, that would be that'd be awesome if yeah someone wanted to to pay for us to come out to uh to dallas and, and rip a gig we would not be opposed to it eventually we'll get out there oh for sure man i i, I thought i maybe i missed saw something uh on the internet so yeah but, unless you know unless you know something i don't know yeah we have, <laughs> i have not i have not ever been to texas that's crazy man. well i mean florida's kind of a big enough place to that you know you can play gigs all over that thing, right? Oh yeah, I mean, right now I so I live in Jacksonville. The rest of the the rest of Royal Hearts lives in South Florida, where there's a so there's about five hours between us. Oh wow! Um, and I just moved up here last June. Okay, I've so, been to that airport. That's to the Jacksonville it. airport. Yeah, you've basically seen all you need to see. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, it's actually it's actually a lot of fun up here in Jacksonville. Um. There's a lot of cool spots. I, I like craft beer, so there's a lot of local breweries, and we go to all oh, these. Yeah. We go to all these right minor on. minor league sports games. It's it's a great time. Right. But no, you're right. The state is huge. You could tour this entire state and be busy for weeks. 
Yeah, I got a lot of big cities there, you know. Yeah. Here it takes you like a day to trek across Texas just to get to another yeah. big city. So it's 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 <laughs> it's about it's about nine hours from uh from top to tip. Yeah. I think uh so I where I live in East Texas, we're near like Louisiana. We're like an okay. hour away from Louisiana, but where I was born in Texas, it's in the panhandle, and that's like an eight to nine hour drive from where yeah, I that's, and that's not that's even a- like covering like top to bottom that's like center to top <laughs> that's that is just everything is bigger in texas than yeah it's, it's nuts. true yeah we went to colorado for a honeymoon me and my wife and i think it was 10 to 11 it was a 15 hour drive 10 to 11 hours of that drive was texas let's go <laughs> that's a and that was your honeymoon so that was like the first thing you did as a, as a married couple was yeah. just shove yourselves into a car for 15 hours yeah man well, well, I, I mean, guess I mean we if were you living get together, back, so if you if yeah, but there's a difference between living <laughs> together and living in a car together. True, that is true. true. Like my yeah, house they, has they different room. I was gonna say that's that I was really gonna go like that's a real that's an immediate like we're testing this marriage. Let's go. Hey, well, I mean, we both had kids coming into it, so. Uh, you know, if we can survive the kids, we can survive anything, right? <laughs> I suppose. That's true. I suppose. I guess my lack of children means I cannot survive anything. Hey, man. Hey. <laughs> Same. More power to Same. you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, we have uh, the premise of the show is basically make a playlist. Uh, we get to let you name the playlist. I don't know if you're any good at naming shit or not, but. Uh, I'll uh, try. Yeah, man. If you want to come up with a name to this thing, I'll type it in and we can get started. Uh, so I need a name before I know what the theme of this playlist was. What's the theme of this playlist? Uh, the theme what's, of the, our, so what's our goal here? The goal here is to go over your influences. So the next question I'll ask is basically like, uh, what did you listen to before you could pick your own music? So like this, this is before I started developing my own music. Yes. yes. We'll yes. get there. Okay. We'll get there. We'll okay. get there. It's kind of like a, like a baby steps to what you're listening okay. to now. You know. Okay, so the the shit that shaped me playlist. Yeah, there we go. There, there we you go. go. So uh, I don't know. When I was growing up, I was listening to a lot of classic rock. My dad, uh, big into classic rock, so we were we were going to see bands like Sticks in concert. Uh, I think I've seen Joan Jett when I was a kid. So we'd be listening to things like that. Joan Jett, Sticks, uh, shit. America was the first band I ever saw live. They're like a 1970s like folk country kind of band. Uh, nice that's awesome but like they have a song called uh tin man and it's literally about the tin man from uh the wizard of oz and it is a <laughs> banger uh, <laughs> it, it really is like if you listen to it you're like man these guys were high as kites when they wrote this i feel like i know america i feel like i know you probably, probably a few yeah, of their you, songs, they but... have one of their songs called like a horse with no name yeah that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so okay i think i think most people might not know the name of the band but if one or two of the songs came on they might recognize like a hook here and there they were very yeah. they i feel like they're very much like a background music kind of band but yeah yeah uh so like things like that um my dad also was super big into you know the 80s and 90s hair metal and alternative rock and grunge and i fucking hate grunge so much nice that's wow. hilarious but i could probably <laughs> sing half of soundgarden songs right because yeah. I, i'm it's so ingrained into my brain sure. um that was like a starter for me as well. Like my brother yeah. used to listen to all that, like so, Spoon Man. So bad. Spoon Man. Spoon <laughs> Man. That was probably the first song I ever heard that wasn't in 4-4. Four, four. 
there you go man <laughs> so i mean i guess you know i got you know it's math rock but in the 90s so it's like angry math rock with flannels. yeah <laughs> bro um, they all had like the same voice it was nuts man they the really 90s, did. 90s was a good time man they, they went yeah. from like like hair metal in the 80s to like a deep raspy voice in the 90s oh yeah like everybody it was like, a, it was like yeah. an, it was an, an immediate 180 yeah like, <laughs> we're getting rid of the hair gel we're all buying flannels i know at old navy and let's just look we're gonna right. make some sad music <laughs> do you remember how old you were when you're going to these shows because I, I think that's oh, i was like six yeah. i don't think I, I went to like you know a legit show until i was you know like mid-teens like probably most you know so okay. i think it's really interesting when you know, people's parents or guardians or whoever, older siblings takes them to shows when they're like that young, right? Because when you're that young, everything's huge. Everything's bigger. And oh, it just yeah. kind of blows your mind. It almost doesn't even matter what the music would be. It's like, look at this shit. So when I was, I don't know, five or six, like, so this, um, this racetrack, not too far from where we live, like this horse racing track, like uh -huh. they would do these Saturday and Sunday shows at, you know, like one o'clock in the afternoon. And yep. they're obviously, you know, looking back at it now, like it's a business move, right? Get everybody in early in the day. So they're there drinking and gambling, but they would th th throw these family friendly shows in their bandstand. And it was a pretty decent sized stage. There was probably enough room for like a thousand to 2000 people. And they were like five bucks shows or like the whole family could go for 20 bucks. So we would just mm -hmm. bring like a picnic basket and some chairs. And my parents would take us to these shows like every other weekend, um, so throughout the course of my childhood, we saw like Joan Jett and the Blackhearts in the early, you know, in the mid nineties when they were still relatively young, you know, as yeah. compared to now in 2022, we saw uh, sticks there. We saw Ario Speedwagon. Uh, we saw America. We saw Kansas there. You guys, you guys got to know who carry, carry oh, on my yeah. wayward song. Oh yeah. So the first drum set I ever played was after we saw Kansas, we had gone up to the front of the stage. It must've been like seven. So it's very easy for like the band to walk over to the family that has like the seven year old that's super hyped to see them. So they come down and the roadie's like, Hey, do you want to like come up on the stage? He's asking me, he's not asking my dad. He can give two shits about him, but he brings me up on the stage as they're breaking stuff down. And he gives me two drumsticks. He's like, why don't you take a seat and like hit a couple things and you know, see if you like it. So the first drum set, the first instrument I ever played was Kansas's drum set after they played at some racetrack in like 1997 that's nuts dude that's awesome yeah anime origin story right right <laughs> right right there and i was like i want to be a drummer and then many years later i realized how expensive it is to be a drummer i was like i'm gonna fucking sing yeah <laughs> it is right? so much cheaper as long as you don't destroy your mic on stage man that's all you gotta buy right <laughs> oh you just get an sm58 you can't destroy it <laughs> Nice. I try, <laughs> but yeah, that, so like, that would be the stuff I was listening to, you know, as a, as a wee little lad growing mm -hmm. up, uh, in South Florida, the Kansas's drum drum set. And then like, after that, did you just like ask your dad to, you know, buy a drum set or how, how did so, you get into playing I music? I guess at that point, maybe I was a little bit older than seven or eight, because I remember I got my first drum kit. It must've been late middle school. So like 12 maybe 13 and they knew I wanted to play drums. My brother had been doing piano lessons. Both of us had been in like choirs and stuff. So we've already had like a background in like very rudimentary music. And 
they knew that I was adamant about playing drums. I did not want to learn how to play piano. I didn't want to learn anything else. I wanted to learn how to play drums. Woke up one uh, Christmas morning. I must have been, like I said, 12 or 13 years old. And there was a big old drum set sitting in the living room. And that was the first instrument I got. So that was like 20 years ago. Nice. Shit, we're old guys. Oh, bro. I, I, last interview, man, she made me feel oh. really old, bro. <laughs> It was the vocalist of Royal. No, no, you're the vocalist. No, that's Hearts. Nick. It was the <laughs> it was the vocalist of House Parties. She said that when she oh, was they're singing, tight. I, I've, yeah. I've I've checked them out before. Yeah, nice. really catchy shit. I love it. Yeah. Um, she she mentioned shout that, out House uh, Parties. <laughs> right. Go ahead. She said uh, the first My Chemical Romance album she heard was Danger Days, and I was like, oh my fuck. I know this is not a video podcast, so the viewers at home can't see the distortion that my face just embraced <laughs> when you said that. Yeah. I was, God, we were, I mean, you're about the same age as I am. And uh, Adam, I'm assuming you're roughly around the same 30-ish oh, yeah. mark. Okay. So we were all college-aged, mid-college-aged. Like, I think Danger Days came out in 2010. I was 20 years old. Yep. Yeah, I was 20 oh years old when that came out. Yeah. Pretty much. And I remember being in like middle school watching Helena on Fuse. Yeah, because that, that was 2000. That was like 2003. Yeah, so, and yeah. I was like, oh man, like oh I, I, did, I instant, instantly felt old, man, as soon as she said that. <laughs> now I feel old. Oh, and then I had to pass it on. <laughs> oh God, you had to share it. I appreciate the, yeah. uh, the sharing is caring. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, we're not old enough, man. We're like no, no, we're in our prime. We're a a good age. We are a good age. (laughs) So you 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 took those lessons. What was like a? Oh, I never took lessons. No, you never took lessons. They just bought me the drum kit, and they were. Did you ever like learn it? (laughs) So I did. I so I I really like I worked really hard at learning how to play the drums. I got as good as a beginner could get. I, I would consider myself like a very intermediate drummer. Uh, so as soon as I got a drum kit, my brother also got a guitar. And at that age, you already, you know, having a brother, I had a bandmate, right? So we started yeah. just, we just started writing music and none of it was objectively good. You know, we were 13, 14, 15 years old, but the point of it wasn't to write, you know, hits for, you know, generations to come. It was to learn how to play these instruments and learn how to work with other people and learn how to write songs. So yeah, I learned how to play drums. He learned how to play guitar. Uh, we started our first band probably by 20, uh, not 2014, by 2004. And we started doing like these little coffee shop open mics and, you know, playing at the high school. And we got to an issue where they're like, well, but we need a singer. So my brother and I, both of us having choir backgrounds, basically just decided who the singer was. We both kind of knew how to sing. And me being the egomaniac was like, well, no, I'm going to be the singer. I don't give a shit that I'm playing the drums. I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> so I was like Phil Collinsing. I was like Phil Collin Collinsing. I was being the guy from Genesis, right? I had the microphone yeah. set up behind the drum kit and I'm trying to sing while I'm learning how to play. And I got okay at it as okay as a 14 or 15 year old could be at doing something like that at the time. But it like helped me learn how to multitask while doing, you know, one, you know, playing an instrument to multitask. None yeah. of the music was good. Yeah. Can I ask what was that that first band name? I can imagine. Oh it God, was beautiful. I, I, I was so <laughs> bad. So this is gonna be good. No, so on the street that we lived in, like once you turned onto the main road, we had all those sheriff signs. There was a whole big like looting and car breaking in problem in our neighborhood, and 
it just kept saying lock your valuables hide your things thieves are watching and like we would pass it every day and we're like fuck it we're just gonna call our band thieves are watching who gives a nice. shit we're that's not bad dude. that's awesome that's a good it's name not, like in retrospect i'm like it's very juvenile but at the same time we also were literally teenagers yeah um it was uh, it was never we never wanted to do anything like a, a aggressively offensive or anything like that like i've always made sure any project that i've worked on has has some semblance of of kind of middle of the roadness when it comes to names i like things that are accessible yeah. i think a name's a little silly in retrospect but i mean i i could see it on flyers like in a serious way yeah yeah right. very cool so what what got you into like post hardcore? Was that the kind of music that you and your brother were playing together, or so in between the the bandstand concerts and by the time we started writing our own music, uh, my cousin lived with us for a while, and my cousin from New York was this very he's in our society now he would be considered like an edge lord, but like he was very much into. 80s new wave and punk music he played like the first afi cds for me growing up and he was showing me green day back in like 1998 and you know things that were kind of popular but then still a little bit off the beaten path like i remember listening to the the second and third or third and fourth afi albums uh, black sales and art of drowning i was like 10 years old i probably yeah. shouldn't have been listening to them at that time but he was playing stuff like that. He would play MSI for us, which was terrible. Oh yeah. But we man. would just we would just sit in our room and play Nintendo all day. And he would just go through this catalog of CDs and cassette tapes that he had. And he probably had hundreds of them. And somewhere in there is where I started to get a get a feel for like punk rock and heavier music. And then one day he played full collapse, uh, the Thursday album. Everyone, oh, everyone knows yeah. this album, right? He plays full collapse. And I was like, what was that? play that all of the time <laughs> and then by the time it got to you know by the time I got to where I was like going to the store and buying a cd for myself I was now I was starting to look for things like that and I had bought the first um what was the first I think the first cd I bought was tell all your friends so now fast forward to like 2002 2003 I bought the first taking back sunday album yeah and then right from there i just bought every band that was on the sticker from that album it was like also check out these victory records bands <laughs> you know i i either bought or got copies of those cds from all of my friends and that was that was it that really just kind of sent me towards the the path of, of what i listened to through the rest of high school college what i started to write as a as a musician and aspired to write it's just the sound that i really enjoy yeah with thursday that album man Flawless. That album is amazing, yeah. It is. It is so good. It was such a good thing that they had back then, you know. You could go to, like, Hastings and find a CD, and it would be, like, for fans of or sounds like or check yeah. out. And, and, like, nine to eight times out of ten, you were going to like what it also recommended. So exactly. That made well, it so, I, much, so I easy. Think, and I think the, the lack of choice also kind of helped us find things easier. Yeah, it's kind of like you guys like know what Netflix paralysis is or whatever it's called, where like you open up your streaming app and you just spend an hour looking at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you but you know, so many people do it, like, <laughs> but then you never actually watch anything. Then you look at the time and you're like, oh, shit, I should probably go to bed. Um, but you've exactly. spent an hour just looking at titles like we do the same thing when it comes to looking at music now, because 
there are, you know, 60,000 songs uploaded to Spotify every single day, mm-hmm. you know, but back when we were younger, we really only had like what was on the radio. And this was pre, this was pre like everyone can download stuff on yeah, exactly. wire, right? So it was, it was whatever you had on the radio, whatever was showing on MTV or whatever the sticker said on the CD that you just bought. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like you said, like nine out of 10 times, you'd probably like, you know, what you're seeing is like, cause we didn't have any other fucking option. No, we didn't. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you either liked it or you just figured out how to get another 10 bucks to buy another CD. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, we've talked about a lot of the classic rock and sort of, you know, what's molded you a little more into what you do now, but like, what are some influences that, you know, would be surprising? That would be surprising. Um, yeah. The Goo Goo Dolls. That's a surprising yeah. one. Now, our music doesn't sound anything like it, like in any stretch of the means. I don't sing the way that, you know, John Resnick sings, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I like to think of my songs and, and the way I like to perceive music in a very linear fashion. I like very structured music. I don't okay. like things that are like, more avant-garde or or too mathy mm-hmm. it just doesn't resonate with me and right. band, like bands like that where they were basically up there they're a pop band you know mm-hmm. all of their music is constructed in a way that is geared to be easily uh, easily digestible yeah so i mean bands like that uh definitely kind of gave me some insight on you know where to put certain pieces of songs um, yeah, that Dizzy Up the Girl album is awesome, man. That Dizzy Up the it's such a good album. It's so I, good. I don't, I don't know how they they got fumbled by the music industry so much in the early two thousands because yeah. they really they really could have gone on to to blow up like some of the other you know pop rock bands of the nineties. Just yeah, they were good. I don't remember what was the single from that album. Was it what Dizzy Up the Girl? It was yeah. Slide. It was Iris, and it was Black Balloon. Black Balloon was the one that always stuck out to me. The, the yeah, and then like, Iris was the the one they used for they used that for a movie. I can't remember the movie. Yeah, it was like a super popular romance drama in like the late nineties, and it was like yeah. I don't want the world. Oh to yeah, see me. and it was like him in a clock tower. Um, Man, I'm, I no, know exactly also, what you're talking. about. But I can't remember the name of the. <laughs> was it Sleepless in Seattle? Oh man. I don't I I've never I'll seen Google the movie it, that it was tied to, but I know that it was like like late 90s, early 2000s. I don't think people re- like younger folks might remember this, but like when a song came out that it was tied to a movie, the music video was tied to like the visuals of the movie. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Like um City of Angels. City of Angels. Okay. With Nicolas Cage. I've seen of that course. movie. That was a good movie. That was a good movie. I, I bet you it was. It was yeah. that's prime Nicolas Cage. <laughs> that is prime Nick Cage era. Whatever that means. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. But no, like go back to any of those huge singles, especially the ones with those movie tie-ins. Watch the music video and you're either gonna get like them doing the the playthroughs on like the same set that the movie's on. Or they just do constant cut-ins to scenes from the movie. Yeah, I remember Killswitch Engage, The End of Heartache was on one of the Resident Evils. I don't remember which one. Okay. That was back when the DVDs, in the special features, you had the music video in there for that. Yeah. And I used to watch that constantly. 
And then Corn did like a really weird one for like one of the Tomb Raider movies. Oh. And it was like super trippy. You're like like you're like pulling, you know, memories out that I didn't even know were there, man. <laughs> hey, you wanted to go down memory lane. Right. I just happen to have I have the directions. <laughs> oh God. So how did uh, Royal Heart start, man? I mean, it was honestly, it's a very simple story. Uh, 2018, so my previous band, so Thieves Are Watching actually ran from 2005 all the way to about 2015, mm-hmm. just on and off again through college. You know, my brother got married and had kids, so he stopped playing. So I was like, I'm going to keep it going. I kept bringing in different people, and eventually it kind of just ran its course. So about 2015, I stopped doing that. I took a couple of years to just focus on some other things. I started taking my professional life a little bit more seriously. I became a high school teacher, like I'd always intended on doing. I started dating uh, the girl that ended up becoming my wife. Uh, But then about 2017, I was like, I want to get back into music. I had some friends that were doing different music projects. So I was like jamming with them here and there. None of it, like some of it was great. It was a lot of fun. I was in a, like an emo band called Migrate for, for a little bit. But I was like, I want to do something that is like a continuation of what I had grown up doing. So I was like, I wanted something along the post-hardcore metalcore sound that like I really enjoyed doing. So I went on to Craigslist and I just typed in the word like metalcore and I pressed (laughs) enter and I saw an ad. Uh, Some guys were looking for a singer. So I sent them an email and said, hey, you know. This is some of the stuff that I did previously. I, you know, put out some EPs when I was younger um, of varying degrees of quality. <laughs> Sent him the stuff and I said, hey, if you want me to come through, like, you know, send me some demos. I'll, I'll come up with some verses. I'll come through. We can jam them out, see what you guys think and go from there. And uh, I met uh, the guys from Royal Hearts. I met the drummer and the, the, the old guitarist. We started doing some songs. Uh, we ended up meeting Nelson, our bass player, a couple months later. Uh, We put together, you know, what, five or six songs. And by early 2019, we started playing shows. Nice. That's awesome. Was was that like a pre-creepy Craigslist or? (laughs) I feel like Craigslist has always been creepy, but you got to know what to look, you got to know what to look for. Um, I feel like, well, I feel like every time I tell the story of how we met, like everyone always asks me like, Hey, we're like, were you concerned meeting up with them? And I was like, well, no, because we met up at a place that was public. We met up at like a public rehearsal studio in like the middle of the day. It was somewhere that I've been to before. Yeah. Like it was, it was a place where I knew it's like, if you're trying to sell somebody, some, uh, somebody something on like a Facebook marketplace or a offer up or anything like meet at a Publix, meet at a Starbucks, meet somewhere where there's people meet out a side of a bank. It doesn't like, it doesn't have to be your bank meet out somewhere where there's cameras. Yeah. Like be smart I mean, about those things. Um, but yeah, we, we always got together at the same rehearsal studio. It was always, you know, a public situation Yeah. in terms of like, there was never any sort of safety concerns. And after a while we, you know, started writing enough songs and we started booking shows 2019. Our, one of our first shows was um, opening up for O Sleeper and Famous Last Words. Oh God, and I love O Sleeper, man. It was, it was a killer time. That was like our second or third gig. Not bad. It was right. actually our, it was actually our first gig that we booked. And it was like two or three months off. So we wanted to get a couple practice gigs in. So we just found like dive bars and we just did a couple sets just to kind of get ourselves prepped. Um, 
and I had done it before, like I had been in bands before, so I was a little bit more used to it, but everybody else got up to speed, like pretty good. And we just started gigging 2019. We were like, yes, yes, let's go ahead. Let's record an EP. By the end of the year, we recorded an EP, Like we're going to release it in April, 2020. April 2020 uh-huh. is the perfect time to release an EP. We can start playing shows around it. We can travel the state. Yeah. There's nothing that's <laughs> there's nothing that's going to get in our way of having this plan to start off uh, in April 2020. <laughs> and, in April and, 20, and in April 2020, nothing happened in the world and everything was great. And obviously that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow, dude. So, you know, I know that this is obviously not the question we started off with. But we just we you know we did what everybody did. We managed. We made yeah. our way through it. Well, just, I mean, I remember. Uh, I think I had just started the the podcast then, like May twenty twenty. And I remember it's the perfect time to start a podcast. Yeah, I know, man. I, <laughs> Everyone's <know>. home. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it's still really hard to get a, get a hold of people. Well, of course, yeah, oh, it's hard. And then also, you know, with my schedule and everybody else, that's the hardest part. Yeah. But, uh, I remember seeing you guys on social media and y'all, man, y'all came out like a fucking wildfire, dude. Like, I remember you dropped your single and then you dropped the fucking EP like a, a couple months later. I was like, damn, dude. It's like, about a month later. Yeah. I was like, man, like, did y'all have this shit like ready to go? But apparently you did. So. We did. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, our plan was to start releasing in April. Um, we didn't have a video for it or anything. We were just going to release it and just keep going and write more music. But once everything got pushed back, we decided, okay, let's see how we can, you know, safely shoot a music video. And uh, we shot a video in June and said, all right, let's go ahead and we'll release a song in July and we'll come up with it. We'll put the rest of it out in August. And at that point we had already started writing new music. So we really felt it was best to kind of just take what we had and, and put out at least a small catalog of, of music that people can check out, you know, if they saw us on social media and then we began writing and finishing up writing and recording, you know, the next single and then the next single and then the next single. Yeah. You know, I, I feel not being in a band, I really don't know, but just being on the outside looking in, I feel like COVID was kind of like a blessing and a curse for smaller bands because I feel like I've seen a lot of bands start right when COVID happened. And it seems like most of the ones that start have like five to 15 to 20,000 listeners, like in the first couple of months okay well we don't have that but i see what you're i can understand what you're saying from your perspective because every band is it's like a person right they all have their different goals and their different aspirations and their different methods of getting there uh some groups have a predilection towards just killing it on social media and killing it in the online game and some of those bands like the ones that are just now starting to gig and they're already getting like national recognition yeah uh, I think there's a band from New York. I really hope I'm not going to say the wrong band name, but I think they're called Until I Wake. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I got the band name wrong, I'll, I'll correct it and, and you know make an amendment. But I think I remember seeing them start post-lockdown. And they spent the two years uh, writing music, doing online social media you know, engagement and promotion and getting their name out there and if i'm not mistaken they're on the attack attack conquer divide tour right now oh nice that's like awesome. this year yeah like this is the, and this is their first if i'm not mis- mistaken like their first kind of year where they're actually gigging at all yeah 
so that's exactly what you were saying. Like some of these bands that started through lockdown are able to really like hit the gate swinging, like come out of the gate swinging. Yeah. Um, and then other bands use that time, I imagine, to just work on their work on their craft, like work on songwriting, work on, you know, discovering their their identity. We definitely used that time to kind of reconfigure our approach to songwriting. Yeah. Um, because we couldn't get together in a room anymore, everything became more remote. But uh, I think that I mean, forced y'all us. Y'all didn't do bad social media wise. I mean, you have like uh, Fairweather has almost 25,000, you know, these words have yeah. played, has, you know, 15,000. I mean, for, for somebody who can't tour for somebody, basically every band turned into a social media band at that. Yeah. At that we point. all, yeah, we all and, had to, you know, to be honest with you, that's, that's not bad for the short amount of time that y'all release yeah. music, you know? Yeah. And I mean, every, every time I look at, you know, streaming numbers, which I do probably more than I should, I get very neurotic about things like that just because of my constant fear of needing validation from other people that I don't know. Uh, but you know, those are personal problems. Yeah. Uh, but every time I look at it, like I'm grateful, you know, you have 10 new listeners. That's awesome. That's 10 people that devoted three minutes of their time to, to listen to something that, that we wrote. Yeah. And, you know, I know that all, all of us, are insanely grateful of anybody that, you know, even sees, they don't have to like or share, even if they see it and they spend 10 seconds thinking like, should I click on it? Like, I'm appreciative of that. And that's, that's, that's nothing for, you know, established bands, but for, you know, a small group like us, any, any moment of consideration we can earn from somebody or be gifted from somebody is, is something that does not go unappreciated or unnoticed. Yeah. That's a great outlook. Yeah. When I was younger, I was definitely more of a, a pinhead about it. You know, as, as you are, when you're younger, you want <laughs> everyone to look at me, look at me, look at me. Sure. Um, but I, I think I, I'd like to think that I've kind of grown to a point where, you know, I know that I have to put aside time to, to listen to music. I can't mm-hmm. just do it all day anymore while I'm studying. You know, I have a day job. I have, you know, family life. I have things that I'd, so when I'm listening to music, like, it's a, it's a choice. It's like, Hey, do I watch TV or do I listen to some music? So if I'm making that choice and I'm a musician, I can only imagine like when somebody else that isn't a musician or has no idea how music works on an, on like a business level. And when they decide to like put on something new that they've never heard before from an artist that they're, they're not familiar with, like that's, that's like a, that's a leap of faith that you're taking and you know, they're not paying money to click stream on something but they're, they're paying with time. Yeah. See, exactly. I feel like I, I've got to, I don't, I can't speak for Adam, but I know at my job. So I'm, uh, man, I just got like a blue collar job. I get dirty all day, tear mm-hmm. down. We work on uh, big engines. Okay. And I have like one earphone in eight hours a day, you know, Monday through Friday, I'm constantly listening to music. Like, yeah. And the way I see it is, is, you know, I grew up with, you know, my dad stating that, you know, the 70s and 80s were like the best time for music and all new music sucked. So I don't want to be like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I and by, by that, you mean you don't want to be objectively wrong. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Sure. You know, Got like, it. Exactly. Got it. <laughs> like Got it. I, I make time to like for, for me, genre isn't anything like I find I, I'm really glad that um, 
we have all these new like uh, rappers and, you know, pop punk bands and all that who are embracing different genres and like trying to blend them. I love that because who gives a shit at the end of the day, you like what you like. If you, you know, all these people embracing like metalcore or post hardcore or pop punk or emo, it's amazing. And I can't wait for it to just come to a head and you know you can have screaming on the fucking radio who gives a shit you know like yeah i mean i don't know how much i invest in what the radio plays anymore because i don't you know i don't really listen to the radio i don't either i, I just <laughs> yeah you know, I definitely I, don't I, when, yeah. when i listen to music I'm, I'm listening through some different streaming service but no i i definitely understand what you're saying because my wife is the complete opposite she listens to the radio all the time like she doesn't actively go out and, and look for new music. So if it's not on right. the radio, she might not ever hear it. Yeah. Um, which I feel comfortable saying this in our podcast because it, it's not going to be on the radio. So she's never going to hear it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, if the, if the alternative music scene and, and the hardcore scene and the, you know, the different genres of rap and hip hop, like continue to, to grow and develop. Yeah. Eventually they will be on, you know, your traditional radio stations. Yeah. I listen to literally everything, man. I listen to everything from like sad boy music, like hardcore emo, like Midwest emo shit. I listen to rap. It's good to be well-rounded. Yeah, man. I mean, if it sounds good, that I'm going to jam it, dude. And like, I've always been real weird about music. So like I put music into like a playlist. Like, so if I find an artist I like, I'll go grab all their albums and put it like chronologically from the first album all the way to their newest shit. And mm-hmm. I'll just listen to it that way. In like, order? In or order. Like hit shuffle? Oh, gosh. Nah, in order, man. Like all albums in order, bro. Yeah. That's a journey. But I have like so much mm-hmm. fucking time at work, dude. I just. Yeah. I mean, I'm like constantly busy I, and shit, but. But you can listen to music while you're yeah. working. I wish I, I wish I was able to do that, but that is it clashes very much with with my job yeah i don't and i don't think my students would appreciate it too much if i was <laughs> yeah to yeah so like i mean i know. do like i do put it on like when they're doing like something independently and like we need some sort of background music you bet your ass it's like you put your band record. on man. Like, <laughs> they've heard it i've played it for them before they've heard it some of them you know they they look at me and if you pulled up a picture of me like not on stage I don't yep. look like what I sound like. Yeah. I'm five, yeah. three. I'm very average looking. You know, I have a couple of tattoos, but I don't have any sleeves. Like I don't have gauges in my ears. Like I don't look like what, you know, the prototypical right. singer and in, in like a hardcore screamo band would look like. So when they hear it, they don't believe that it's me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so then when they look up like a music video, it's almost it almost becomes believable and then they'll find live videos of us playing and that completely sells that it is me because there's no uh you know there's no mixing you know it's a live video yeah so like that's 100 and they'll hear me like talk in between songs and my speaking voice like if I told you that I was the singer in a hardcore band and you had to go just off by my speaking voice, you'd be like, this guy's a fucking liar. <laughs> like this, this soft spoken, soft voiced guy is, is going to start yelling words at me. Like that doesn't isn't make that, sense. Isn't that like 
typical though. Usually the guys that, you know, that are the loudest or have the most soaring voices or the, or the craziest like screams, they're the guys that just, they're so soft-spoken. And, they're like whisper. Yeah. That's like a yeah, meme, right? It's like, exactly. it's like metal, metal vocalist on stage, metal core vocalist off stage. Hi, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, <laughs> basically. So I must know though, what subject do you teach? Oh, I teach 12th grade English. Oh, I am nice. 100% a stereotypical liberal arts major through and through. I was a, I got my degree in English. I worked at a Starbucks and I was in a band. All and he likes craft time. beer. And I like <laughs> yeah, dude. beer. And I you got to move. What are you doing in Florida? Oh, I'm in Jacksonville. This is practically Georgia. Oh. <laughs> this, this, is, this is basically Georgia. Funny. Where I'm, I was... I'm, I'm 50. I'm what 35 minutes from the state line. Yeah, I got yeah. stuck in that airport and had to drive to Savannah. Yeah, to it's, fly about two hour. it's, like, it's about yep. a, it's like a two-hour drive. It's not it's yep. not that big of a deal. Yeah. Well, back back to the back to the music. So yeah, you know, listening to uh, your songs, um, and and just kind of quickly looking over the lyrics. You know, talking about kick me when I'm down, throwing my flaws in my face. You know, things okay. along those lines, you know, they, they seem, you know, either, you know, a little, you're speaking to someone or something, right? So, like, what would you say drives a lot of your lyrical content? Uh, so, the first EP, the first seven or so songs. So, the first two songs that we put out in the beginning of 2019, and then the EP we put out towards the end of the year, uh, a lot of it had to do with either... Um, my own personal experiences with different people. Uh, most of them were different types of relationships, whether they were families, friends, or romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. So um, like uh, the one that you just mentioned, Death of Me, that's the one that has those, those lines you mentioned. Um, that's about somebody that always kind of pulled the victim card, even though they've never actually been a, a victim of anything. Like they would be the instigator in a situation. And then mm -hmm. once the consequences of that action came around, they would immediately jump to being the victim in the situation, like gaslighting you and, and making sure, making yeah. it seem like it wasn't them that caused whatever the issue was. Um, but a lot of, in fact, most of the songs are, are about, at least on that EP, are about different relationships. Like Fairweather, I feel like that's not a very it's a very thinly veiled song. It's just about kind of growing out of maybe bad friendships that you had in your teens and twenties. Yep. Um, so like the, uh, one of the refrains in the song is uh, rushing for approval. Like I'm fucking dying. Uh, keeping steady by a constant stream of lies that I've told, pull my head underwater until I'm choking by the gallon, but just know that's what I wanted. That was kind of my way of saying that it was my fault because I constantly was trying to get the approval of other people and I would do whatever I could to kind of get accepted into like these different cliques of people just because I just felt so lonely through my twenties. Um, but it ultimately just left me extremely unhappy and right. I had, to, I had to just kind of let it go and just kind of do things for myself. I think we can all, sort of resonate with that no, i mean yeah you know. i was gonna say the the experience is not exclusive to 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 anyone and uh that's kind of one of my goals when it comes to kind of sitting down and writing the lyrical content 
is they might be based off of experiences that I had, but for the most part, I feel like these are universal experiences. And I, I do that intentionally because I want people to see that there's someone else out there going that's either going through or has gone through exactly what they might be dealing with. It's a big, no, that's, that's a big thing. It's a big thing for me. Like it's, it's nice to know that you're not alone. Right. That's when dope, you're dealing man. with shit. Right. So thanks for that in-depth analysis. Yeah. Explanation. Yeah. And then we pivoted after, after the EP, um, I stopped looking at other people as being the source of problems and started looking inwards. And like the last three singles that we put out, uh, these words have weight six feet in conversation. And I might be dead all have to do with some form of self growth. Mm -hmm. So like these words have weight is all about taking accountability. Six feet is about removing yourself from toxic situations. And I might be dead is about finding the, the ability to like persevere in the face of like daily adversity, not even something huge, but like anxiety. Yeah. waking up and just feeling like today is going to be the worst day ever. And how are you supposed to get in your car and drive to work when you feel like absolute, like the world is stacked against you. And, you know, the last two years, I felt like that every day Mm -hmm. with, with how crazy the world had kind of changed for, for me and for a lot of people. Yeah. It was, it was rough. So yeah, a lot, a lot of personality, a lot of personal experiences, um, not a lot in terms of metaphor and imaginative and Im- imagery and figurative imagery. Um, some bands do that incredibly well, but I, I, I like staying in my kind of realm of like personal growth and self-experience. One of my favorite lyricists actually doesn't use metaphors like at all. Uh, yeah. He just, he just like tells it how it is. And it's such, it's so good, man. It's um, yeah. Doug Robinson from The Sleeping and okay. he used to be in Night Verses. Okay. With, yeah, dude, that man, his lyrics are amazing, dude. I yeah. love that dude. I mean, you don't always need metaphors or anything like that. You no, know, sometimes just, I don't think you... And you know. then some some artists are incredible with their use of metaphor yeah. and their storytelling in their songs. Mm-hmm. And, and just because I look at lyrics for myself in a specific way doesn't mean that there's anything like... If, if an artist is good at doing something in a certain way, they should continue to do it because that's part of, that becomes part of their identity. Yeah, and absolutely. Artists that, artists that can tell entire stories in songs, like um, there's a song from Thrice. It wasn't a big song, but I think it was off of uh, their Vihisu album. It was called uh, Daughtless. And I really like this song because it's one, the song is really well put together, but it also tells the story of the, like the Greek myth of Daedalus and his son, um, Icarus, you know, the whole flying too close to the sun. And the Mm -hmm. whole song is literally just telling the story, not just in the lyrics, but also in the music. And like, I wish I could do something like that, but that's what they do. Yeah. I'm a sucker. Incredible job at it. Doesn't care. Storytelling and songs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Dustin Kincher is like fucking amazing. It's insane. He's insane. Yeah. Before we before we go on to some questions, this is uh this is about making a playlist. So let's uh let's add some of these bands on here, man. So yeah, I got yeah, yeah. uh I already put Tin Man on there. Okay. Uh we got Sticks. Is there a song that you want you want to do uh Come Sail Away or Mr. Yeah, that's Otto or... Sticks. I mean that if 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 someone hasn't heard Come Sail Away, they should probably hear that one. Right. <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't listen to Babe. No, they should listen to either Come Sail Away or Too Much Time in My Hands. <laughs> like, let's keep it. Let's keep it easy. 
Joan Jett. Ah, uh, yeah, Joan Jett. You know, we could do Bad Reputation, Bad, bad News reputation. Bears. Let's go. <laughs> uh, all right, and then we got a uh, AFI. All right, so for AFI, we're not going with what everyone else is going to go with. We're going to go with like God called in sick today. All right, off of Black Sales, and we're going to go on to let's go with the days of the phoenix off of the art of drowning we're not the going past 2000 with them there you go man deep cuts baby <laughs> yeah i mean i love i love the next two albums from them you know both sing the sorrow and december underground but if we're talking about the things that i listened to as a kid it wouldn't have been those those would have yep. been you know 13 14 15 we're talking childhood prime nine and nine and <laughs> ten and eleven years old that's mm. where we are green day Oh, for Green Day, we're we're going off of uh, we're doing Nimrod. So what's that? What, what are we going? That's the album. We're gonna go with Hitching a Ride. That's Hitching a, good a one. Ride, yeah. Hitching a Ride. Get that good riddance shit out of here. <laughs> <laughs> we it's a good it's a good song, but this isn't the graduation playlist. Like what? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Thursday. Uh, Thursday. Oh, for Thursday, I know we were talking about full collapse. So I got to put Autobiography of a Nation on there. But I would also like to offer Steps Ascending off of the War All the Time album. Right. That's probably my favorite Thursday song. Taking Back Sunday? It's going to be, there's no IN team. And uh, let's jump over to Bonus Mosh Part 2 off of Where You Want to Be. That was the first album that uh, I, I remember. I think I, my, my brother bought that. And I listened to that thing so many fucking times. When I was Which younger. one? Uh, the Where You Want to Be. Such a good album. Yes. I feel like that album did not get the recognition that it deserved. It was their first album with Fred Mascherino on guitar. And he was such the perfect counterpart to Adam's singing and songwriting. And people forget that although John Nolan is an iconic voice from the first record, that Fred really helped them to find like, songwriting. You, did you hear the... Uh... What is Shane told? Shane told this the uh, the lead singer syndrome. The lead singer syndrome. No, did he do an oh, episode with Fred? He did. Oh shit, I gotta listen so to it. So fucking nuts, man. Because everybody is accusing Fred of being like an industry plant. And he was like, What? I don't even know what the fuck that means. He was like, because Fred who's was a, wait, who's accusing him of being an industry plant? Everybody apparently was. What, like all of the sud? Oh, you mean like at the time? Yeah, yeah, at the time. They picked him up from like Breaking Pangea. He was like in another yeah. band that. They well, so he was with. signed to the label. He was signed to the label that they were on, and he um, was much, much older. He said he was like in his thirties, and they were all like eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Uh, and the label basically told him, "Well, we're gonna put you with them." And he said they were not a good match at all, like personality-wise. And he, I know that they had a lot of personality drama. Yeah, he said basically he was just there to write music. And they were there to party. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's a really really good episode. Though. I'm gonna have to listen to it because I don't. I've I've not heard like I try to genuinely avoid any sort of band drama that isn't like a legal issue. Yeah, like if it's if it's literally just like, hey, this member didn't like this member. Do you want to know why? The answer is usually like I don't care. Yeah. Like, doesn't matter <laughs> adults are allowed to not like like other adults yeah like if they're doing something shitty or shady like i i want to know about it because I, I have to make a decision as to whether or not there's someone that i want to continue to support yeah you know, in the case of, like all of these people that are like terrible people like no i'm good yeah yeah but now fred not liking the rest of the band that's that's fine absolutely yeah i mean yeah. like 
that's between Fred and them, not Fred and the world, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if he's, if he's talking about it now, we're talking, this is 15 years later. Yeah. That's fine. The color Fred was amazing too, by the way. I love that. Program. Yeah. He's an incredible, and he did terrible things. That was yeah. with uh, one of the guys from, was it Fallout Boy? I don't remember. Mm. It was decent. It wasn't bad. Yeah. He's, yeah. I mean, I don't think he can come up with anything that is, that is bad. Everything that he writes is, at least at, like in a fundamental way, going to be good. It's so catchy, man. <laughs> and then, yeah, and, and then it just becomes subjective whether you like it or not. Yeah. Uh, next one up is the Google Dolls. Oh, uh, we're gonna throw we're gonna throw a January Friend on there. That's a deep cut from that Dizzy Up the Girl yeah. album. It's a good song. It's almost it's almost like a punk song. And then we'll go ahead, you know, we'll throw Black Balloon on there because that is one of my favorite songs. Yes, that song is. I, that's the one yeah. that sticks out to me the most. Like I yeah. Rescue Slide were good. But they weren't anywhere near compared to Black Balloon, man. Let's throw a third one on there. Let's throw Big Machine from Goo Goo Dolls also. That's another good one. That's, that's off the following album. All right. Big Machine. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. It's got like a big chorus. It's got kind of like the, his rougher vocals in the, in the verses. It's a good song. Thrice. Did you want to throw that Dautilus song on there? Yeah, let's throw Dautilus on there. But my favorite album from Thrice is actually their second album, um, The Illusion of Safety. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to throw my favorite Thrice song ever on there, which is So Strange I Remember You. The intro to that song is, it brings tears to your eyes because you listen to it and it's got like this bluesy, jazzy guitar solo to open up the song. Yeah. And then it goes like straight punk. Man, Dustin is he's he's an incredible artist, man. He's yeah. All of all of them in in Thrice. I think it's the same for I don't think they've done like a whole bunch of lineup changes. Like I think they're still like at their core, like the same four guys. Yeah. Y'all are y'all are more of a metalcore band. Is there any Yeah, okay. So let's yeah, let's get into some of the heavier influences. Because yeah. I, I feel like you're gonna like listen to this playlist and be like, but then he does Screamo. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, so Senses Fail and Silverstein are like top fives for me. Um obviously I can definitely fail. hear the Silverstein. <laughs> yeah, I think I think musically they're they're probably the biggest influence for us. I mean, for for Silverstein, if if you want to hear some some prime like inspiration music for us, like we're going to have to go to third album Shipwreck in the Sand. The song is called Vices. That's him and Liam Cormier from Cancer Bats. And that song is awesome. When I was younger, the first CD that I bought was Hawthorne Heights. Oh, I love Hawthorne Heights. Yes. So I was staying, I remember I was in the eighth or ninth grade. I think it was the ninth. And I was standing in Walmart with my money and I was looking at Silverstein and I was mm -hmm. looking at Hawthorne Heights and I picked Hawthorne Heights. And you I feel really like can't, you, you can't go wrong with either one of those, though. I feel like I mean, my life would be completely different now if I chose Silverstein. <laughs> you, you say that, but I feel like I feel like you would have gotten one and then you would have gotten the other shortly after. You would have made your way probably. Around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, because I definitely bought the Silence in Black and White, like in a record store, like the year yeah. it came out. Yeah. Since it's fail. Oh, Census Fail. Let's go Irony of Dying on Your Birthday. That's my favorite Census Fail song. And then we're going to have to go with, let's go with something off of one of their later albums. Uh, and by later, I mean maybe only a couple years later. 
because we're just keeping in the theme of things that I grew up on. Uh, yeah. So nothing, nothing too new. Uh, but let's go into still searching, and we're gonna we're gonna throw on um, Shark Attack. That's a good that's a good one. But I'd say if, if we're gonna try to pivot towards you know some of the more metalcore sounds that that I started listening to. Uh, this would probably be more of like that college age. That's where, you know, bands like A Day to Remember started getting popular. We're talking yeah. about 2007, 2008, 2009. Um, I enjoyed the Homesick album, but I would say the album that really got me started into slightly heavier music would have been um, Memphis Mayfire. And their first full album, uh, Sleepwalking, has this song called You're Lucky It's Not 1692. And the second I heard like the Southern riffs, cause I, I didn't listen to, you know, artists like Norma Jean or any of the bands that had like Southern influences to them. So like when I first listened to it, I was like, this is incredible, you know? Right. For whatever it's worth. That's just kind of how I found my way towards like some of the, the more riffy metal core t- kind of sounds, but like, you're lucky it's not 1692 was, was a great song. And then they put out an EP a couple years later. Um, called Between the Lies, and there's a song on there called Deuces La Cruces. I think that's a place in Texas, right? La Cruces, is that a place in I Texas? I think so. I think it is, yeah. Yeah, I think it is, but I'm not, I'm not positive. But that song, it was the first time I'd ever heard like an intentionally dissonant riff where they're playing the same shape, but like one fret apart to make that kind of like glitchy computer sound. Mm-hmm. And I had heard it, and I, I think I stopped what I was doing and I rewound the song and I played just that same five seconds over and over and over again. And I couldn't figure out how they did it. Like I was just listening, trying to analyze, like how did they make the guitar do that? And I mean, I found, I realized later that it was just doing the same riff in the same exact pattern, just one fret apart. So it's intentionally going to be off. And I was like, that's an incredible trick. And now I find out like every deathcore band does that. So you know, it's not special, but it was special to me. Adam was a big uh, Memphis fan, weren't you, back in the day? I was more like Norma Jean, Maylene. Uh, Memphis Mayfire was pretty good. I'm, I feel like saw them live, like on Total Accident, and was like, yeah, these guys are pretty dope. But yeah, I, I totally vibe with like the whole Southern riff in metalcore and stuff. Yeah, it's, and I think like if you went awesome. back, yeah, if you listen to like the EP, you can hear some of those ideas in there for us. Um, like the beginning of Death of Me is 100% like, my take on like one of those southernish kind of riffs you know i was gonna say that but i was like man i don't know i don't want to like offend him and like he's like oh no Florida I mean, a, and, a like, lot of a lot of a lot of my musical ideas like i mean i write what i listen to and if that's what i was listening to when i was like writing that makes sense yeah, yeah. like i, I totally oh, I he totally was he was listening to southern that. riffs and he wrote something that sounds like it could have been a southern riff that makes logical sense <laughs> Is there anything else you can think of, or you good with all that? I or? mean, I could I could keep you here all night just <laughs> stuff to put on there. I know that this wouldn't be me, but I know like the other guys, they're really into bands like Counterparts and August Burns Red. But truthfully, I'm not familiar with them enough to to offer up songs that would be indicative of our sound. Are, are you wearing a Counterpart shirt? No, I'm actually wearing a Capstan shirt. Oh, so it's Capstan. Yeah, we actually just we actually just opened for Capstan back in February. I saw um, it, and I was like, it "Wait!" Was, <laughs> it was an incredible time. That's uh, awesome. Their their new album is so fucking good. Like, if you haven't checked it out, like that should be something that you listen to tomorrow. The single off of that album, "Shades of Us," 
then they also did a song featuring Shane from Silverstein. So as you can see, like I don't stray too far away from, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't get away from the steam too much, but I mean, alone and shades of us from Capstan would be great songs to throw on there because I've been listening to those a lot. This album only came out like the tail end of last year, maybe mid uh, July. So it's been out for almost a year, but it's still just such a good album. Like a year is, is no time at all. So Capstan is one of those bands that I, that I listened to their discography, but okay. this was before Separate came out. So I haven't okay. heard that one yet. So you're going to, you're going to have to go back. Yeah. And, I'm not and, and, yeah. <laughs> I just remember I was refinishing the floors in my house over spring break and I just had their entire discography blasting the entire time but i could barely hear it because i was like using a sander so like i would pause i would stop what i was doing every like 10 minutes just to like chill and listen to like a song or two so it took me three times as long as it should have to do it but you know i got the job done and i got to listen to some music so it's happy about that well, adam you got anything else man um you know i i like to always give the musicians a chance to sort of do any sort of shameless plugs any shows you got coming up your handles on social media anything you got going on man uh yeah depending on when this is coming out uh, i don't know what the air date is for this podcast so i don't know what shows i can and can't talk about but i do know that on june 3rd we're heading to fort pierce which is technically south florida it's like south central florida uh, we're going to be uh, opening a show for Sink In from, uh, they're from Los Angeles, they're from LA. Uh, they're a really great band. They just came through the state a few months ago with I Set My Friends on Fire. So they're coming back around. Um, nice. I know we're opening that show. And then after that, we're working on a couple dates in uh, July and August. Uh, I just, I can't announce anything yet, but if you're hearing this and uh, you aren't following us on social media, just type in at Royal Hearts FL on all of them and you're going to get notified whenever i post about the shows whenever we post about anything honestly we're always on there i just don't have any dates for anything that i can announce yet yeah to be honest yeah because promoters will get super pissed if this airs before they've announced something they're going to be like ryan what the fuck <laughs> and i cannot have people be mad at me oh you're good you're good man yeah do you what do you use to listen to music so I, I, I use Spotify. Um, when I was a partner at Starbucks, they actually gave us free Spotify accounts. Nice. So I've never had to pay for Spotify. If I had to pay for Spotify, I probably wouldn't use it. Um, but I think people can still make free accounts and you can follow playlists. So even if you don't have a Spotify account now, go ahead and make a Spotify account for free. Make sure that you follow VIP um, playlist pod. So you can add all of the podcast playlists that, Adam and Augie are making and then go ahead and just add some of the playlists from uh, our page or some of your favorite bands pages. Um, your sure. free account should be able to play all of them. Yeah. So at least anybody should be able to have access to that. <laughs> right. Uh, and this guy should be a salesman. You, I know, right? I'm going to have you like market, market my, just call you up every time I need a commercial made for my show, man. <laughs> I'll do it. I got time. Uh, can you give us the last thing you were listening to? Uh, the last thing I was listening to, let me pull it up right now. I'll tell you. Uh, okay, so Silverstein just came out with a new album on Friday, and I was out of town all weekend. So today was the first day I was able to listen to it. So I just uh, finished listening to Misery Made Me earlier today from Silverstein. And uh, there's some really great tracks on there. Uh, there's this really weird one called The Altar Slash Mary. Uh, and it's got, it's like five different concepts in one song. I think it's really incredible. But, uh, you know, 
start off talking about Silverstein, finish up talking about Silverstein, you know. As it should be. There you go. As it, yeah, as it should be. When, when you have something that you are passionate about, you should always talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we upload this playlist, one of Royal Heart songs will open it, and then there will be one to close it out. You got okay. uh, two songs you want me to open? Yeah, close I, would this thing lo- I would love to start it off with I Might Be Dead. That's our brand new single. All right. Uh, and let's go ahead and finish it off with a uh, six feet in conversation. Six feet in conversation. All right, man. All right. Well, it's all wrapped up, man. I appreciate you coming on awesome. and talking to us, man. I appreciate yeah, you, you reaching so out to me. Yeah. Anytime you guys want to chat about anything or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, same to you, man. If y'all ever have awesome. like new music or whatever, y'all want to promote it, y'all can come on the yeah, show anytime, man. We're, yeah, we're in the process of demo writing. Like, I know we're done with the interview, but like right now, basically, what we've been doing since I moved is I'm writing about 80% of the music and sending it down to them. And then we workshop the other 20%. Nice. That's, so, that's nuts. Man. I mean, we, we have like four or five songs close to completion. Are y'all going for a full to... album or? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> the world's kind of moved on from full albums, especially if you're an unknown band. Uh, yeah. I think I want to do maybe one or two more singles for, I think I want to do like one or two more singles for this year. And, um, start working on like another ep maybe yeah. five to seven songs and we'll probably still do like the single releases that that's kind of the way to do it right now with all of the streaming services but probably put out a full release because we haven't put out an ep since the since the 2019 one so we went 2020 or i guess did we put out 2020 2020 yeah, yeah we put out in 2020 yeah. So it's it's it'll it'll be about two years in July, August that we put out a full EP. But I'll I want to have at least like another five songs from after that EP is out um done by the end of this year. So we're, we just put out our third. So I want to see if I can get two more out there mm-hmm. by the end of this year. Well, I think we yeah, should be man. able to do it. Yeah, I'm gonna let you guys uh enjoy the rest of your evening. It's eleven o'clock my time and my oh, alarm goes off at five AM. So I do need to get oh, some yeah. sleep. Man. Well, yeah, appreciate I got, you, man. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, I got two weeks left of school and then it's summer, man. Yeah. Almost so, there. All right, um, guys. Later, man. Take care. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye.